Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 292. You need great passion because everything you do with great pleasure, you do well. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Forest Grove Concorde Elegance and talking with sponsors of this spectacular event that takes place on the campus of Pacific University in Oregon. You can learn more about this event at www.forestgroveconcord.org. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Neil Dontremont. Neil, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, I'm strapped in, got my helmet on, gloves ready. Let's go. <laughs> very cool. I love it when my guests show up really prepared. Neil Dautremont operates Sidedraft City in Portland, Oregon. He's a guy whose career for 25 years was in insurance, medical bioinformatics, but he's turned to his passion for automobiles. And in 2012, Sidedraft City was born, where he runs a small store and a big shop he shares with master aluminum body restorer Curtis Patience. There, they specialize in selling car care products and racing accessories. Sidedraft City is proud sponsor of the Forest Grove Concord Elegance, which takes place on the campus of Pacific University in Oregon. Neil, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your career, your business, and of course your passion for automobiles? Great. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I started out uh, working in the insurance industry in a, a local insurance company, a small company called Standard Insurance. Uh, <laughs> they've become a behemoth in the uh, insurance industry mm-hmm. here in Portland and throughout the U.S. And uh, got involved with medical um, claims uh, of physicians and dentists and got really interested in that part of it. And uh, the people I was dealing with um, were disabled doctors and dentists. So it was, um, you know, very, very high level folks, very high claim levels and really piqued my interest in the medical side. After that, I went to um, pharmaceuticals and started selling pharmaceuticals. So I sold the precursor of Aleve. Okay. I've sold birth control pills um, and a variety of other medications over the years, but ended up specializing in um, HIV, hepatitis C, and other virology type of um, medications. So became very, very focused on um, patients with, you know, severe debilitating diseases. Became a division sales manager and had the opportunity to uh, take over a division in Michigan and uh, covered 10 states while I was out there. And I'm not sure how they call, you know, Kentucky and Indiana the Midwest, but <laughs> they do. Yeah. It's always confused me, too. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that was was a lot of fun. I learned an awful lot. I had a great team that I worked with. We um, became very, very successful working with um, um, a variety of of different folks, not only physicians, but 
because of the disease type, we, we spent a lot of time working with patient advocate groups as well. Mm-hmm. So it was um, a lot of really awe-inspiring work that I felt very, very fortunate to be part of. And while I was in Michigan, I kind of got rekindled into the car culture. You know, I was five minutes away from a place called Birmingham, five minutes away from a place called Dearborn, <laughs> five minutes away from Meadowbrook, oh, and about three minutes away from Woodward Avenue. Wow. And if, if you know Michigan at all, those are the hot spots. Yep. And the Chrysler execs at that time were, uh, you know, doing some interesting things with Mercedes. But also the Ford execs were working with Jaguar and Aston Martin at that time. And so whenever we'd go out to dinner, I would see Jaguars, Aston Martins, Ferraris, and things like that. And it just re-fired re- me up. It was, um, it, was, it was amazing. And everywhere I went, I saw really, really great cars. And um, I took my wife to the, and family to Meadowbrook, the Concord, when it was held there. And uh, I think I totally bored her because I said, oh, do you know what that is? That's a so-and-so. <laughs> and that's a, that's a, and she just went, oh, my God, this guy is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but she stuck with it. <laughs> there you go. And we had um, had a lot of fun while we were back there. But it really did start the, um, the juices back up. Because, you know, as, as a kid, I'd read all the car magazines and stuff. And yeah. Um, had a, had a lot of um, interest in cars, but I needed something as the kids were growing up and their time became a little bit more independent. So I needed something to kind of keep me happy too. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. So it was fun. We moved back to Oregon back in uh, 2000, and the first thing I realized when I got back was I needed a sports car. <laughs> and uh, the rest is kind of kind of history. It's been uh, been a lot of fun. I left pharma in 2012. Um, I'd gotten a degree in uh, medical bioinformatics as well because I knew that once once pharma was done, I was going to have to have a couple of things going to see which one was going to work best. And so uh, I was really happy with my choices. Well, we're going to learn more about SciDraft City and what you're doing now as we move along, but I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's something that's been instrumental in forming your life, your success throughout the years, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Neil, take the wheel. Mine is uh, by Juan Manuel Fangio. Oh, cool. You need great passion because everything you do with great pleasure, you do well. Ah, I love that quote by... Juan Manuel Fangio. Tell me how you've incorporated that into your business. Well, it's contagious. Passion is contagious. And the more passionate I show about my work with cars, uh, the more excited my customers become. And um, it just just wears off. It's infectious, you know. I worked with infectious diseases before. Now I'm working with a different (laughs) kind of infection. Yeah, I always (laughs) say, you know, us car people put the needle in the arm and it's definitely true. We are uh, we are very passionate. I hear that word over and over again here on Cars Yeah, so I love that. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Tell me about that pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy. <laughs> well, uh, my brother would get all sorts of car magazines, 
so I would read those whenever he finished or whenever he, you know, went out in the evenings or something like that. So I'd always steal his magazines. But it was, um, my dad was a, a car guy as well, and he traveled all the time. He was gone, you know, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays, traveling all over the Northwest. And he'd burn through a car about every two years. And so um, it was always kind of fun to see what was going to be in the driveway next. And, but it's, it's kind of a contradiction in my life. Uh, my dad had a great theory that dirt protects the paint. <laughs> <laughs> You're quite the opposite. I am. <laughs> so so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to, uh, to tell that part of it. <laughs> but um, when I got my permit when I was 15, on my 15th birthday, I immediately began to say, gee, can I help you on your trips? You know, you need me to drive you to Walla Walla. Do you need this? Do you? And uh, so we shared a lot of great times. And uh, it's funny because my dad was a station wagon guy because he kept his tools in the back of the wagon. Mm-hmm. The first car that I really got to drive of his was a sports suburban Plymouth wagon with wood grain on the side and a 440, 375-horse motor. Wow. And I learned how to drag race on stoplights with that car. <laughs> Uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a big motor. It, it was. And yeah. we surprised an awful lot of people. It was fun. Oh, yeah. Wagon's a sleeper. So <laughs> very cool. Well, what I'd love to do now is look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share with our listeners a real big challenge or a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. I like this question because it helps people learn how to overcome situations. So let us know how you overcame that situation and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I think, you know, I I saw the writing on the wall with pharma. My company wasn't doing much more research in the um, virology area. And I saw that, you know, my job was going to change considerably. And so I started to, um, I took coursework up at Oregon Health Sciences University, the med school here in medical informatics, and uh, got a degree up there in that as kind of a a way to say, you know, okay, I've got some other skills here. Um, But then I also started talking to the folks up at Griot's Garage. I was using their products since about 2002, and um, I started talking to them about, you know, how come there's not a store in Portland? And um, we continued to dialogue and dialogue. What happened was the Alpha Romeo owners of America had a national convention here locally, and I was president of the Alpha Club at that time. And um, I got to invite the folks down from Griot's to do kind of a car wash detailing setup. Mm -hmm. And they did a really, really nice job. And I don't think they made much money. But I kept, you know, kept them in beer and sodas and food, (laughs) kept them happy and, and, you know, really got to know them very well. So the, the work in pharma was kind of changing and evolving. And I knew that... The opportunity was going to come up for me to to jump out with no harm, no foul, and uh, you know a nice little uh, package that would help a transition. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I found out that there was an opportunity coming up, I called the guys up at, at Grios and I said, "I think I'm ready to talk." And are you? Mm-hmm. And they said, 
sure, come on up. And within uh, a week, we had a, an agreement in place. I had a store located and a business plan that was pretty thin, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it worked. Yeah. And um, I was real excited. So once that was done, I went to the uh, Czech Republic with my wife and my daughter and spent a couple of weeks over there and uh, came back and I was ready to hit the ground running. And it was just, you know, it, it was a transitional point in my life where I had to say, you know, you got to do it. Yes. You got to take it. And, yeah. you know, you can you can suffer along and do something you're not happy with or you can jump into it with both feet. And that's what I did. Well, it's wonderful, and it's part of why I wanted to have you on the show. Obviously, your uh, sponsor, the Forest Grove Concours, as as Cars Yeah is, and uh, but the bigger part of this is the fact that you went from a career that was completely removed from automobiles. You're very good at it. It was something that provided you with a a lifestyle and an income. But you decided at this point in your life you wanted to do something with cars, and by golly, you did it. And that's what Cars Yeah is all about. People that have figured out how to wrap their passion for cars into their vocation. So kudos to you for doing that. I think it's fantastic. I'd love to shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Talk about an aha moment. I like to say it's when the headlights came on and illuminated your way for a new idea or a new direction that you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Well, you know, it's it's kind of stepping away from a business that I was successful in, um, pharmaceuticals. Um, you know, I was a sales manager. You know, I trained salespeople. I knew how to sell. But I knew that you have to get the customer involved. And um, the customer has to take some ownership. And why would they buy from me in a storefront when they can buy it online or if they're a catalog or they can go to, you know, Napa and buy McGuire's products and, and things like that. But what, what was it that um, made me different? And so the model that I built on was tapping the classic car clubs. Oh, yeah. So I started with the Alpha Club, the Porsche Club, the BMW Club, Mercedes Club. And I would invite them in for a tech session on a Saturday morning. I'd ply them with coffee and donuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> it always works. <laughs> I felt like I was back in pharmaceuticals again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Different kinds of drugs, caffeine and sugar. Yeah. But uh, we would spend a couple hours talking about um, cars paint, cars interior, car care in um, a variety of different shapes and forms. And so I would show them and I'd teach them how to clay bar the car, how to polish it, how to treat the glass, how to treat the leather, and so on. But my big goal was to get everybody a couple of minutes with a random orbital polisher in their hands, buffing somebody's car. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the best thing that I ever did because it took away that mystique of, I'm going to burn through the paint. I'm going to, you know, ruin the paint job. I'm going to drop it. You know, I'm going to spray uh, polish all over the house. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we always had a few of those, you know, where they would uh, lift up the polisher while it was still running. Oh, yeah. But we all laughed. <laughs> but by the second club tech session that I had done, I had a really good feeling about people really responded to the message. And they really responded to the training and teaching. 
and they would stay, the people would stay for an hour, hour and a half, and we'd talk about their specific car, their specific problems. And um, it became a um, just a wonderful exercise. So that, that was kind of the big part. But, you know, the other part, Mark, is that, you know, um, I get to go to a lot of car shows. Uh, I get to be a vendor at the Roadster Show, uh, Forest Grove Concours, which is coming up on the 19th. I get to um, attend a variety of other things. And my wife comes and helps me uh, at some of the bigger shows. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the times we were over at the Festival of Cars over in Bend, and some people came up and said, well, Mary, what, why are you here? What do you like doing about this? And what is it that is so special about car polishes and waxes? And she kind of thought about it for a moment, and she said, you know, it's kind of like going to Nordstrom's. It's a beauty bar for cars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Very cool. And so, you know, that's kind of the unwritten motto of Sidraft City is a beauty bar for cars. Yeah, I like that. Very nice mantra, if you will. And you know, so much of business has to do with uh, involving your customers and and giving them something first. Now, I know coffee and donuts is nice, but giving them the knowledge, the skill, the time so they can learn how to care for their vehicles is such an important thing to do. And it builds a relationship like none other. So, And plus, getting a bunch of car people together, you know, they always love to hang out have an excuse to talk to other car people. I think that was a great, great move on your part. Wonderful aha moment. How about proudest moments in your career or your business? I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular you can share with us? Yeah, I think early on, probably the first summer I was open, I had a guy with a Corvette that he just bought. The paint was pretty ratty on it. It had been abused. There was a lot of scratches, swirl marks, and it was... Um, it was it was pretty rugged, and he didn't know the first thing about taking care of a car. So I spent, gosh, a long time with this gentleman, mm -hmm. and uh, he was just a wonderful guy to talk with. But we would do a weekly meeting. I set up a, a Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock with him wow. for about five weeks. And the first week, he, his job was to wash the car and clay bar it. And then he'd come back the next week. And we this went on. So then the second week was, you know, uh, start polishing with a, with a random orbital. And so we did that. And then the third week he came in and there was he did a great job. But there were still some spots that just kind of need a little bit more work. So I sent him back home again. Make the long story short, by after about five or six weeks, the car was drop-dead gorgeous. How bad. Really, really brought it back to... Yeah a really uh, a good-looking car. And um, he did a national Corvette tour last summer. So two years after uh, he um, learned how to take care of his car, two years later, he goes on that national tour, and he comes back with an award for the best-looking Corvette for All this. All right. And so, you know, I, I was just really proud of the guy. Yeah. And, you know, really, really happy that, you know, he trusted me enough to allow him to walk him through it, but also to just really take the bull by the horns and do the job. Yeah, wow. What a wonderful, what a commitment on your end. A wonderful commitment to a customer, but again, teaching, training, helping, and look at where he ended up. Wow, that is spectacular. 
Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory you had with that car with us. Sure. <laughs> um, my first car the day I turned 18 was uh, a Volvo 544. <laughs> Mighty Volvo. <laughs> in Portland, there's a local race car Volvo shop called IPD, Import Parts Distri- uh, Distributor. Yeah, I've heard of them, yeah. And uh, they've been around for a long time. And Dick Gordon was the owner of it. And the um, gentleman I bought the car from was uh, Dave Presectal. And it was his car. And they tricked it out as one of their um, demo vehicles. And so um, it had sway bars, springs, spoiler. Uh, It had just this wonderful exhaust megaphone that you could (laughs) strafe pedestrians with. (laughs) And um, But the, the neat thing about that car was it had a set of Firestone racing tires that had recaps on it. Okay. And um, I learned how to autocross in that car. Nice. And so um, that was kind of the, as you said, putting the needle in the arm, uh, the start of it. It was it was just so much fun. And I kept that car for eight years, sold it to a friend. His mother forbade me to sell it to him, but I did anyway. <laughs> so it was um, that was that was just a fun car. You were his drug dealer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, you were dealing drugs even when you were young. Of course, kids, we're talking about cars here, not the real stuff. So, <laughs> Okay, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've owned that you really wish you could have back in your garage? Yeah, I had a uh, Alfa Romeo GTV Ooh, that nice. I found uh, locally. And it was a Le Mans blue color, so really, really pretty blue. Yeah. Or as my wife called it, periwinkle. Lamont <laughs> uh, <laughs> is so much cooler, dear. Yes. So I had that for a number of years, and I messed around with it quite a bit. Um, I learned um, that you don't listen to forums. You don't listen to people at different places. You find one guru, and you pay attention to them because they know how to make a car work, that specific car. And it took me a couple of years to figure that out. But once I did, it was just a great car. Took it track days, autocrossed it, and um, really had just a blast driving the car. And it was so much fun. I sold it to a guy who um, had it restored up in uh, uh, your neck of the woods in the Seattle area. And they made it into a locker or a Pan America racer. Oh, nice. And uh, painted it red, of course, which I, I was I was ashamed. But <laughs> it turned into a La Carrera car, and now it's a historic race car. But it was it was a nice transition for me because I wanted to get into racing, and that funded my first race car, which was a Datsun 240Z. Oh, cool! Wow, very nice. I love the Alphas. You know, the time we're recording this is the uh, 29th of June. They just this past weekend in Providence, Rhode Island, had the Alfa Romeo's Owners Club Big Meet. My son's going to school back there. I said, hey, you got to get down there and check out some of the cars. One of my past, well, several past guests here, Keith Martin, Donald Osborne, were Mm -hmm. there for that event because, of course, Keith is a big Alfa guy. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love the GTVs, the GTAs, just beautiful cars, fantastic cars. I love them. I'd like to have one someday. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, well, it, it, kind of continuing the alpha theme. <laughs> That's okay. 
there has been a, an alpha race car that has been campaigned in the Portland area of the Northwest since 1977, and it's a wicked-looking little car. It's a Julia Spider with big, fat fender flares on it. Cool. I've been after that car for 10 years and uh, finally was able to get my hands on it in All December. All right. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I'm excited. It's taken me a little bit longer to get it back on the track where it, where it has to be, but um, I'm hoping for September, October, and uh, it's it's just going to be a hoot because um, it went to the national championships a couple of times. It's got a lot of history, and people throughout the Northwest know this car. Yeah, and so it's it's just exciting for me to to be able to have have this car in my my stable well i'm so happy for you i'm familiar with that car and you know i had a car i chased a 72 911 s for 10 years and finally convinced the guy to let go of it and it's a good lesson for folks listening is if you have your eyes set on a car just start communicating with that person and stick with it because there's going to be some moment of weakness where they're willing to give it up and if you're ready jump <laughs> very cool yeah now here's a very introspective question for you neil if you were a car what kind of car would you be and why well it's probably going to be a, a stretch for me to say an italian car no come on <laughs> <laughs> you know uh an early ferrari uh v12 ferrari 330 gt 2 plus 2 i think would just be a phenomenal car to own or to be. To be, yeah. Not so much to own. We're going to get to that one later. But tell me, the 330, now that's an interesting car to choose. Tell me why you think you're a 330. I'm kind of a little bit larger than a, a svelte Ferrari that you see these days. <laughs> there you go. I'm a 2 plus 2. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and <clears throat> I make lots of noise. You make a little bit of noise. Now, that's for, see, that's why I like this question. You're being yeah, very I go honest. Fast, make a lot of noise and smoke. <laughs> okay, cool. I love it. That's why I like this question, and you answered it very honestly. Very cool. Neil, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Neil, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a guy who likes to race. You know what this means. The white flag's out. It's time to put your foot down. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Cheap, fast, or reliable. 
you only get to pick two. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> or the guy who puts the dollar sign at the high end of the rev counter on the race car. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go there. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Sure. Uh, my daughter wrote a poem about me when I was in grade school, and I framed it, and I keep it in the bedroom. And it, it was titled, My Dad is Like a Bee. And in that poem, she described always being busy, always on the phone, always drinking a soda. But unlike the bees who sting, I always had a wink for her. Oh, my gosh. I'm about to get a... T oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so... Being busy with a bunch of projects is best for me. I get bored easily, so I need fresh ideas, fresh products, and folks around me can help me help keep me energized. Ah, wonderful. And what a wonderful memento to have of your daughter. That is, you know, that was very astute of her to uh, recognize that and uh, recognize also that you take that moment of time for her too. Spectacular. How about a resource? Do you have one in particular you'd like to share with our listeners? There's so many good ones out there, and I guess the thing I say is get involved in car clubs. Yeah. That's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Ask questions, get involved. I do uh, the Monty Shelton Rally every year. That's a huge thing. Tours, track days, they're a blast to hang out with people like yourself. Just get involved is you know the best thing that I can say for people because we're, we're in a society now, I think, where we're becoming more insulated. You know, if you can get out and be with like-minded people who like cars, even if they're different cars than what you like, you always learn something. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely crucial. You know, I've always said I tend to like European sports cars. I like German cars. But you know what? If it rolls on rubber, I love it. And I tell you, being involved in car clubs has brought me so many spectacular relationships. Forums are a great place to tap into people's mindsets. You mentioned it earlier. Find those gurus out there. It's so important. How about a book? Is there one in particular you think our listeners would really enjoy that you've read? A new book, I think probably in the last year, it's called Portland Speedway. And it's uh, by a friend of mine, Jeff Zerschmied. He's a local writer. It's a great collection of photographs and stories about the early days of racing in Portland before uh, PIR became dominant. Greg Biffle from NASCAR race there. Rolla Volstead brought cars there in the 40s and the 50s. And it really talks to Portland's heritage uh, about racing. And, it, you know, it, it's kind of hidden, but uh, there is a, a big, long history. Oh, absolutely. Jeff has been a guest here on Cars Yeah. Love his book. Great guy. A consummate car guy. I've had the pleasure of racing down at your racetrack down there, Portland International Raceway, both uh, track days with BMW and Porsche, but vintage racing when I was doing that. So, uh Great book. Glad you recommended it. And listeners, we have a guest recommended books page here at Cars yeah, at the CarsYeah.com website. Just uh, click on that box and you can find all these great books. And this book that Neil shared with us and everything he shared with us today, just put Neil in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, Neil, but money's no object. Today, I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be and why? That's a tough, tough question. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> I love the Lamborghini Aslero. Ooh, yes, pretty car. But Alfa Romeo GTA wins hands down. Ah, yes, the GTA. Ah, wonderful. Now, what is it about the GTA that just tugs on your heart? Well, the, the style. 
the style of it is is just gorgeous. But the aluminum roof, the aluminum floors, the aluminum fenders, it, it was a purpose-built weapon back in the day. Yeah, the GTA is such a special car. I have a good friend, Bill, who owned uh, the first Trans Am winning car that was an Alpha GTA. Wonderful car. I was fortunate enough to get to drive it just a little bit. Uh, I think you've chosen a great one, so uh, I'll get out there shopping for you right away. I believe that car is uh, still owned by another friend of mine named Mark, so I'll give him a call. It's back in Florida, see if we can't get that car back out here on the West Coast. Neil, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you take off down the racetrack in that Alpha GTA? Sure. Um Thank you very much, Mark, for, for uh, taking the time to talk with me. Oh, I you're appreciate welcome. it very much. My pleasure. You know, I, I think looking at, um, you know, people who can help you work with, with your car, uh, looking at finding somebody who really wants to spend the time with you and help you work through any issues you have with your car, whether it's mechanical or, you know, beauty or just, you know, how to drive the car. It comes through clubs and really focus on um, trying to get into the club scene. Overall, the people in there, you find the people you like, you want to hang out with, and um, then schedule your car club to come in for a tech session at Side Draft City. Love to have you. <laughs> it's to be a great fun. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? Well, I have a website, of course, uh, www.sidedraftcity.com. And side draft is spelled the British way, S I D E D R A U G H T City dot com. People say, Well, why why is it called side draft? Do you work on Weber carburetors and Delortos? And I go, It sounds a whole lot better than Neil's Wax Shop. <laughs> <laughs> it is a cool name. It's a really cool website. I encourage our listeners to check it out. And if you're in the Portland area, I'm sure Neil would love to have you stop by have a coffee and a donut and talk cars with him, and I'm sure he'll be able to teach you how to take care of the surface of your vehicles as well. Listeners, you can find links to everything we talk about today, again, at carsyad.com. Just put Neil, N-E-I-L, in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop up. And don't forget to check out the forestgroveconcord.org website, where Neil and I will be on the 19th of July to enjoy that Concor event. It's a great place. If you can't be there, you can go to the website and check it out. But if you're at the event, stop by and say hello to Neil and I. We'll be the ones next to the really shiny cars. Neil, thank you again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experience with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you at the Forest Grove Concor. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.